Hello and welcome to the Hello Judges podcast. My guest this week is World Barista Champion Boram Um. Our chat is all about his path to winning the World Championships in Athens and the history of the competition scene in Brazil. This podcast was carefully produced and meticulously picked and then fermented anaerobically for 48 hours. Please enjoy. Awesome. Boram, welcome to the Thank podcast. You. Thank you, Will. Thanks for the invite. It's a big pleasure to be here. So let's kick things off with a light question. What sort of coffee are you drinking at home? Uh, at uh, right now, I still have a little bit of my calm coffee uh, as well. So a little bit of the pink bourbon that I use from my father's farm. And also, I have a ton of coffees from other competitors that I'm slowly being able to enjoy uh, through them on my free time. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about uh, the World Championships, isn't it? So many competitors and so many amazing coffees. Yeah, to try. It's, it's it's really wonderful, especially on backstage. I think not a lot of people are normally able to see that, but uh, we talk a lot and, and we're always able to share some of the coffees that we're bringing in. And it's really amazing to be able to taste and see the full spectrum of coffees that everyone is using and bringing up into the world stage. Do you have um, like one that you've tried so far from another competitor that's really like blown you away? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I tried um, Jack's coffee from Australia, the competitor from Australia. He had that this new varietal from the El Diviso farm in Colombia called Umbigon. And it was really incredible. A lot of uh, dark purple kind of fruits, uh, super clear, super clean. It was really a cool experience. Yeah, there are some awesome coffees coming out of uh, El Diviso over the past couple of years. Yes. Great. So has it been uh, rewarding for you representing Brazil and its rich coffee culture and being able to bring the championship uh, back? Yeah, um, it's been incredible. I think uh, I, I think not everyone is truly prepared for the things that come after winning a world competition, especially in Brazil. Uh, we still have a very small specialty coffee community. Uh, it's very niche. Uh, it's very focused on people who really enjoy coffee. And the mass market is not really truly aware of, of what specialty coffee is and and what is this kind of uh, high high end and high quality coffees. So I think the most rewarding thing is the fact that uh, being able to win the VC and and coming back home and being on like major media outlets like mass uh, media uh, companies uh, showcasing about barista competitions and and talking about specialty coffee into the to mass market has been uh, truly amazing, especially because we are such a big coffee country, not only in production but also in consumption. Uh, I think it will be it was really cool to be able to connect with people who had never heard of specialty coffee before here. That's so good. So you're saying like the sort of specialty scene in Brazil, despite the size of the country, is quite small. What is the national competition scene like? How does that sort of pan out each year? Uh, so, so we have some wonderful baristas here as well. Uh, we are a big country, but like I said, not really a huge specialty coffee scene. So normally we get about 20 to 25 competitors a year in our national competition scene. We don't have regionals because we don't have enough competitors to be going to regionals. And my hope is that now uh, with all this media and all this 
attention that we're getting uh, hopefully we will grow as a competition body as well yeah that's like it's always amazing um to hear like how it is in different countries like when i spoke to ben put he sort of laid out for me how it is in canada and it's it's just it's always so different in such uh you know in different countries yes that is true i mean we we used to have regionals i think brazil is, is also one of the oldest competition bodies as well I think it started competing in the fourth or fifth edition of WBC. Um, so there is a lot of history with WBC and, and barista competitions. I think we're one of the countries that also has pretty much all the competitions. Uh, just, I think the only one we don't have right now is Ibrick. Uh, uh, but hopefully we will as well. But I, I think it's mainly because there's not such a big culture in, in terms of uh, these kind of uh, beverages, but uh, we have a huge history with competitions and uh, many previous amazing champions as well. When uh, when was your first competition and like why did you decide to start competing? Yeah, um, uh, my first competition was back in 2019. Uh, I obviously started preparing much further than that. Um, we sort of got into competitions because uh, at least for me, I was fascinated with uh, all the stage presence and the presentations that baristas would do in, in, in the world level. And we always started thinking about uh, putting some of our team members and our, our some of our baristas in our company to compete. So we sort of started back in 2016 when we started pushing some of our baristas to start competing. So we had a, uh, a competitor who started going to Brewers. She got third in Nationals. Uh, so we've been consistently participating since 2016, but me, uh, myself as a competitor with my brother, also, we started in 2019 and we, we sort of just started to decided to enter competitions ourselves because we wanted to learn more and, and, and really understand more about rules and, and how the competition experience is with the main objective of training our staff and training our baristas to to compete in the future. Um, but luckily, in 2019, uh, I was able to win my first title uh, in the Nationals, and I've been competing since then nonstop. That's amazing. And so you, um, you've you won your national competition three times, is yes, that right? Yes, that's correct. So last year, you came seventh, just missing out on the finals. Yeah. Um, how did you approach things differently this year to make sure that you got to where you did? Um, that's a really good question. I think um, one of the biggest learning lessons that I had from, 2000, uh, from 2022 in Melbourne to this year was that um, the coffee competitions and presentations uh, in terms of world level, it's not only about putting your message throughout there, but it's also about uh, making sure the judges and whoever's evaluating coffee is in their most comfortable positions where they can truly understand everything and have a really enjoyable experience. So last year we approached sort of a, a interesting topic about caffeine and low caffeine content coffees, uh, but the presentation itself had a lot of information. Uh, I think I remember have looking at my word count for that presentation, it was almost 2,000 words, uh, crunched in into 15 minutes. So I believe it was too much information and too complex 
uh, for judges to be able to enjoy the experience and truly follow the experience like the way I wished. So uh, I think that is one of the biggest learning lessons I had from uh, last year to this year. So we decided to go with a much simpler approach in many different ways and really focus on techniques that really matter and focus on the coffee and bringing out uh, a message that we truly believed in and something that I truly believed in as well. So in a, in a certain way, it was a lot more of an emotional uh, competition this year for me. And I think uh, those were important learning lessons that I had from last year. Yeah, I definitely think it's quite easy to be like, you know, you realize you're on the sort of biggest platform in, a, you know, in the barista industry. And it's quite easy to get carried away with like emotion and want to put something forward you're really passionate about and say a lot about it. And it can end up being like a bit too yes. much information, like you said. So I noticed this year um, your workflow and tech skills were like super smooth. Like even, you know, I watched uh, the previous routine and then I just recapped on uh, your winning routine. And you must have put like a lot of hours of practice into like just moving around the stage where each thing is placed on the table. What was your sort of practice yeah, um, regime? Like? So I think for the first time in a, uh, in a sense, we didn't have that much time to prepare for Worlds this year. Um, so like if I go back to 2019, uh, I won my nationals in the end of 2019. I was supposed to compete in 2020, but obviously we had pandemic and I had a lot of time to prepare and practice before Milan in 2021. Um, but I think all of those, those were great experiences for my uh, stage and, and sort of tech skills as well. Uh, but this year we only had sort of two months, a month and a half-ish. Uh, before Worlds, after the national level, our, our nationals were at the end of uh, end start end of March, start of April, and then soon after, I ended up going to Panama to source some of the coffees for my competition, and also uh, so basically, I had a, a full month of training in Canada with with our team at, at Ford Coffee and Rosso Coffee. Um, so we we. I sort of isolated a whole month for myself just to focus on competitions. Um, so we were basically spending 10 to 12 hours uh, up in their training space, uh, working on our routines. Obviously we had a build up for the new routine and all the coffees and all the recipes. But I remember by the end of the last few weeks um, of preparing, we were doing at least 10 to 15 run-throughs a day uh, in order to get sort of the right workflow and especially adapt to the to the table setup that we had for this year. Well, 10 to 15 run-throughs a day is so many, but I, you know, I guess that's what it takes to become the champion, right? I think personally for me, it's, it, it's not only about like getting really amazing quality run-throughs and things like that, but it was really good for my mental uh, stability. Uh, having that many practice runs for me to feel confident that I wasn't going to make any mistakes. And I think that is a big part of how uh, um, successful baristas uh, do well in competitions. Were there any sort of particular tech skills that you were really mindful to work on and improve on from last year? Yeah, I think uh, 
workflow is very important, but uh, especially uh, executing the espresso extractions correctly. For me, were a particular challenge this year because I was using uh, rapid chilling techniques and sphere. So it was a lot more accessories, a lot more uh, things to be mindful of, only thinking about espresso extraction. So that was definitely a little bit more challenging. We were sort of tweaking the workflow almost every day coming up into the championship. Yeah, I did notice like you went all in with trying to maximize the quality of your shots. Like you used the auto comb yes. and the paragon. Like how much would you say that by using these tools that improved the quality oh, I think of the they, they, they completely changed the experience of the espressos in, in many different ways, I think. Uh, auto comb was, was crucial to keep all the extractions consistent. Uh, we tested a lot of different accessories as well and everything that's sort of coming up in the market. Um, and then consistently all the way through Autocomb was so much better in terms of distribution and extraction and consistency of, of the shots. Um, in the Paragon, uh, for us and for me specifically, it was completely mind blowing in terms of how it improves so much texture, body, uh, all the way through the tactile experience of our espressos. Uh, so for me, it was uh, it was truly essential to be using uh, some of these accessories. It's amazing because like every year at WBC, you think you've seen like everything. You see like new tools, new techniques, and you think surely like we can't come up with something else. And then, you know, last year um, it was uh, Anthony Douglas yeah. was the first one with the autocomb and it kind of yeah. this year you see yeah, a lot I think more people It's pretty them. clear how much uh, innovation from WBC can help improve coffee quality. I think autocomb is such a great example of automation and consistency uh, uh, that really improves your shot qualities as well. Um, the paragons are really a, a new way of of thinking about espresso and, and espresso extraction, especially think, thinking about recipe and, and temperature. Uh, we had so many people ask about our ratio for shots as well, because we extracted uh, 21 to 57, 58. So it's like almost one to three extraction shots. Uh, and I think uh, it's 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 really about doing a lot of blind testing and tasting many different recipes and, and showing how much these accessories can truly bring a better experience to coffee. So this year, your routine was all about teamwork. Can you tell me a bit more about the team that you had with you? in, uh, in uh, So our core team uh, has always been, uh, starting with Marcia, she was uh, my Brazilian coach in Brazil. She also works with our quality control in our shop, our cafes and, and our farm. Uh, and she sort of is, probably one of the oldest people in the market who has been into uh, competition levels in Brazil, uh, along with uh, Danilo, who was, who was also a WC rep and judge. Uh, I think it's always crucial to have someone who is sort of involved into rules and regulation that really improve and, and help you with the experience and not only bring the perspective of, of what a judge does, in the competition level. So I from so from Brazil we had Marcia and, and Danilo. And then we had our amazing team uh in Canada. So Colt Road. Um he has been twice Canadian Brewster champion, twice in the finals as well. A lot of experience 
he is the current owner of Ford Coffee, which is an amazing company that uh, imports uh, green beans into Canada and distributes all over the world. And he has a lot of amazing knowledge, uh, a lot of experience in competitions, uh, along with his brother, Dave. Uh, Dave is the founder of Rosso Coffee. He's been working with Cole uh, for many years in competitions. He is sort of like the head coach in there in Canada with their team. And he's been going through with Cole and, and, and his competition experience for over 10 years. Um, and also the producers, we have Kai Jensen who produced the coffees that I used in espresso and went into my milk-based blend along with my father who has produced the pink bourbon that I use for this competition as well. Uh, with that, um, with the access that Rosso and David and Cole gave me, uh, we were able to have some really amazing experienced people on their team. So Paul, Paul Stevens is also the main head roaster at Rosso in Canada. And he's such an amazing guy, like jack of all trades and into everything in terms of machine, water composition, uh, roasting. Obviously, he roasted all my coffees for competitions since 2021. So he roasted my coffees for Milan and and for Melbourne and for uh, Athens this year. And it, it's just amazing how much all these people with so much knowledge together can can bring an amazing result together. Yeah, it really does take like a, a proper committed yeah. team uh, to make success Exactly, it's, it's everyone was super committed, I think. Yeah, I, I, I cannot think of one thing that I would take out during this entire journey. Uh, in order to make sure everything worked out properly. So it's really amazing to be with them. Uh, I know you touched on it a little bit, but could you tell me more about the two coffees? Of course. That you chose uh, to use? So um, the first coffee is it's a, a beautiful natural geisha from Jensen uh, Coffee in the region of Bokhan. Uh, I had the pleasure of being able to visit Kai Jensen and his farm in, in April this year. Um, it was always like a dream to go into Panama. Panama has such an amazing reputation in terms of coffee and quality. I think there's no one in the world who would not know what Panama Geisha is, uh, especially in our industry today. So I was able to visit Kai and fortunately it was right at the time where like they're having most of their coffee lots available. And we were able to taste pretty much, uh, I think we tasted over 150 samples from their current offerings uh, for this year. And it was amazing to see such uh, the huge extension of profiles and qualities that they can offer, uh, even working with uh, just two or three different varietals. And the sharing experience sort of extended since uh, the access of, of Jensen coffees that we've been seeing that Cole has uh, and he's been testing these coffees for a few years already, not only for his company, but for other competitors as well. Uh, so I was really happy to be able to use this coffee for this year's competition. Uh, the second coffee is the Pink Bourbon, uh, produced by our, our family in, in Brazil, um, in the South Minas region. Um, this Pink Bourbon is sort of in, in its initial phase. It's a very young tree still. Uh, and we, when we test, tasted it initially, just as a natural, we, we knew it had amazing levels of potential uh, for quality. 
and together with uh, Kai Jensen and some of the things that he has been teaching us on how he produces some of his geishas in, in Panama, uh, we were able to also test out some similar um, and interesting sort of processing techniques and, and drying techniques, so like Kai's dark room drying process. Uh, really brought out some amazing flavors of, of the Sweet Bourbon, and, and we were super excited uh, about uh, using it. Uh, we had about two or three different options from our farm. So like the Pink Bourbon, uh, Acidiema, which is another new varietal that's coming up in Brazil. Uh, but we were so happy with its result that we decided to go with Pink Bourbon. We only had a few kilos of this coffee. We're trying to produce more for this year, but uh, it was really amazing. Yeah, I've uh, I've not seen Pink Bourbon anywhere outside of Colombia before, so it's uh, quite exciting to see it uh, being produced in yes. Brazil. Yes, I, th I think it creates some, it brings out so much more space and now discussion in terms of how some of these amazing genetics really bring out some awesome potential for different countries like Brazil. And do you think you'll continue to use the techniques you've learned from Kai and processing uh, going forward for more lots coming out of? Yes, Brazil? yes. I think uh, we are already testing the same processing techniques with over 16 varietals now for this year. And we truly hope that uh, we're going we're gonna to be able to launch some amazing lots with different uh, similar processing techniques that we have used this year. All right, so let's go back to Athens and let's go behind the scenes. Okay. Can you tell me about your prep time? Because you had two coffees to dial in. Uh, yeah. How was that for you? Uh, it was it was definitely interesting. Uh, I think in 2021, it was the first time I competed. I used two coffees as well. But at that time, we had EK as grinders. Uh, Melbourne was sort of the first year with the new Mythos uh, grinders. But... Obviously, I didn't want to risk to put too much risk, so I ended up using one coffee for for Melbourne. And then in Athens, I think it was the first time we had the experience of using two mitos on our prep time for dialing two coffees. It's definitely a big challenge, um, especially because of how the grinders work and the grinders were made for high volume and and a uh, consistent workflow type deal and not really like switching around too much in terms of grind setting and and different techniques of, of coffee dialing. The big advantage I had is that Cole, is, it's, it's an, he's an amazing barista also. He's been in finals a couple times in, at the world stage. So having uh, a highly uh, skilled barista with you together was definitely helpful. Uh, I remember on one of our dials, I think it was for semis. Uh, I had him dialing one coffee and me dialing the other coffee. And I think that also shows the amount of trust and respect we have for each other when we're working together. Uh, and um, I think obviously the first round is always more challenging. Uh, there's all so many moving parts trying to adapt to water and, and, and environment at the world stage. So. Uh, we definitely did have a lot of challenges trying to dial in both of these coffees. But then after uh, that first round, uh, all the other rounds were were very smooth. We had we're finishing our prep time is way ahead of our our time, and and everything went super smooth. Did you have uh, many different roasts and like 
you know, degassing times of the same coffees? Or did you go with sort of like, um, we know this is going to work kind of approach? Um, so basically, uh, something we have learned uh, from uh, Milan 2021 is to sort of already have the correct roast aging dates for our coffees before prep time. So for our coffees, we already knew, like for, for example, Kai's coffee, we already knew it was the seventh day uh, after roast and after degassing. So we already have all the roast set up for all the three rounds uh, in that sense, uh, thinking about the maximum potential of these beans. Um, I know people are uh, with these uh, high volume grinders like Mythos, for example, people uh, complained a lot about coffee wastage and, and obviously being having a hard time dialing in with these grinders. So something we did also, uh, which was really helpful to us, I don't know if it will be for everyone else, but we sort of dialed our espressos before putting our coffees into the hopper uh, with a manual hand grinder. So we would get... <laughs> We would get like the right uh, sort of recipe and shot times that we wanted for the coffee and then put that put the coffee back into the hopper and try to get into similar specs. And that worked for us uh, fantastic. Like we wasted a lot less coffee than expected. Um, for you to have an idea, we only had seven kilos of, of Janssen Geisha and, and five kilos of Pink Bourbon for all three rounds. Wow, it's, uh, it's pretty tight, really, when you think about how much dialing in and practicing you want to do with yes, it. Yes, yes. I, I think the hand grind move was definitely the right move for us. That's uh, a real good, like, uh, behind-the-scenes secret tip, the hand grind. Yeah. Do you have any uh, other sort of, like, pro tips, things that you've picked up that really helped you or anything that you think you might have tried that other people didn't do? Uh, I think um, for us it was really also a great learning lesson to keep our dialing team super tight. I think I know, I know a lot of competitors do uh, enjoy bringing other people in to taste their coffees and things like that. But for this year, we, we kept it super limited to only our team. And I think that really helped uh, keep our focus and, and keep our confidence with our, our coffee beans. Um, what else? Always, yeah. I think something quite interesting is that water specs are, people don't really think much about water specs until they get into the competition places. But I think it's really nice to try to taste and practice with water specs before you go, even before you go into a certain country. I know having access to filters and things like that will be very different. But for example, Paul Stevens, he's also a roaster. He's also a super geeky guy in water. And he, we spent many days together in Canada trying to build similar waters uh, to the competition specs. And that was really uh, a benefit for us to, especially into eliminating a lot of the competition coffees that we were thinking about using uh, in regards to the water that was going to be provided for the competition. Yeah, the water makes such a huge difference, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. I think a lot of competitors always, um, even us, we had issues with 
when we were at the first day at our barista camp in Athens, uh, the water wasn't to the right spec. Uh, but it's always nice to know that, oh, I know the water, there's something wrong with the water. It's not something wrong with the coffee. Let's not waste coffee here, right? So it's it's always important to have that kind of confidence as well. How did you uh, work out there was something wrong with the water? Did you do, like, do readings like TDS? No, uh, um, it was mainly because we knew the potential and how our specials were tasting. And, and especially with the new water spec, sometimes acidity can be completely out of balance. Uh, for many coffees, especially like natural coffees. Um, and I think sort of having that experience before sort of really helped us uh, identify that, that there might be issues with the water here. And it's not an issue with the machine or issue with our recipe uh, and things like that. Yeah, super useful because there's so many variables when, you know, you're flying to a new country and using all this gear, including stuff that's been loaned to you. There's so many different things it could be, and knowing like in your head what it is is going to save yes. you a lot of time. So you've been champion now for like just over a month, a couple of months. Has uh, a lot happened for you? A lot changed, like because uh, of the um, DC? Yeah, I think I think yeah. It's funny because I don't know if if, if it was because of my ignorance or something, but I, I thought that once WBC would be done and like obviously having this amazing results i would be able to come back to my life here and like do uh get back to work like at, at the cafe and, and at the farm level but i remember like winning the title and a lot of the previous champions coming to me and telling me get ready because your life is going to change and i was like what are they talking about and then uh obviously with the media attention and all the traveling that I'm supposed to do now, all the partnerships, collaborations, and and just having all this attention really opens up opportunity to so many different things and visiting so many new countries. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to travel to many different trade shows in the coming months. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think it, it's a completely different life now. I noticed um, this weekend you were over at Deterra with some of the other uh, previous competitors. Yes, yes. Uh, Deterra holds this amazing trip every year uh, with uh, the top six competitors of brewers and barista. And this year we had, we were lucky enough that we had champions from 2022 and 2023 together. And it's also like all the baristas that I have competed with. So it's really an amazing experience. Uh, they do uh, such a cool experience for us to go into the farm level and like uh, understand everything in terms of processing. Like like even we have a barista race where we process our own coffees for the week and taste them. Uh, so it's always nice uh, to be able to have this kind of experience at the farm level. But it's also really cool to get to know all these other champions outside of the competition scope. And because normally everyone is super stressed, anxiety is super high backstage. Everyone is, is worried about something and, and nervous. So we don't really get a huge opportunity to connect with these other competitors other than when, when we're done competing or when we're 
in, in a completely different setting. And, and it's really nice to get to know them in, in this personal level. Yeah, like post-competition, the sort of stress eases away, and you can you find out that these people are just actual normal, real people, <laughs> yes. not the cra- crazy people stressing backstage at competition. That is true. Um, have you got any favorite routines um, that you've seen from other competitors over the past few oh, years? Oh, yes. Uh, I think there's a lot, actually. Uh, I don't think there's any competitor who doesn't watch other people's routines. Uh, I think one of my favorite ones are definitely uh, Dale Harris in 2017 in Seoul. Um, really amazing routine. Uh, I think Anthony's routine last year was incredible as well. Uh, for me, there was no doubt he, he was one of the biggest names to win last year. Um, <clears throat> and this year, I really liked uh, Ben Putt's routine this year as well. I think he's such a huge reference into our industry. Um, he's in such a humble guy. Like, he always talks to everyone. Super nice as well. So I think those are some of the biggest names I can re- think of right now. And... I think I think one of the first ones that I've ever watched uh, was back in 2015 with Sasha as well. So I think these are some today, even today, some of the most inspiring and notorious races in our industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one thing is quite easy to focus on ones that have happened in like the last two years and stuff because the competition has yes. changed quite a lot. Um, but sometimes if you go back and look at some of these older routines, like they can be quite inspiring because you're like, oh, you know, yeah. that was a really interesting thing that they did and no one's yeah, done I that since. The essence or, you know. is still there, although like the rules change and how we deliver some of the things are changed. I think the essence of what recent competition is, is sort of still present in all of these older routines. How have you uh, found the changes in the competition for you? Like how, with the rule changes in particular this year, like did that throw um, any curveballs up for you? I think for this year, the rule changes were really amazing. Um, not only in the sense of opening up for alternative milk. Uh, obviously for us, we, we being in Brazil, we don't have access to a lot of alternative milk. Most of the alternative milk options are like, like shelf stable supermarket kind of stuff, not really catered towards specialty coffee yet. Uh, so we weren't really experienced enough to try to bring alternative milk this year for us. But I, I had such an amazing chat with Ian, uh, the competitor from the UK, and he was using 100% oat milk for his competition and listening to some of his ideas and, and what he was doing for this year's competition was really incredible. And I think that is a major rule change that is really good for our industry um, and for the competitions. And other than that, I think for barista competitions, uh, things became sort of simpler uh, in the way of making it easier for the baristas to present and also for the judges to assess with the new uh, scales of uh, assessing flavor accuracy separate from taste experience and things like that. So. I think those two major rule changes were really nice for the overall competition. Yeah, completely agree. Like the going through the score sheet now and how it works, it definitely it makes it a lot more straightforward to understand, even for someone who's yeah. not like a trained judge. Yeah, you know, it opens sure. it up a little bit. 
Are there anything, like, is there anything in the competition you'd hope to uh, see changed in the future? I think, I think, obviously, I'm excited to see some of the new countries that are coming in this year. Uh, we are we're very excited to see that Bolivia and Venezuela are new uh, competition bodies, the new champions for this year to compete in Busan. I think this kind of inclusivity for more uh, producing countries and also South American countries uh, into the competition will be very interesting to see. Um, I think uh, with Diego's win and, and with our win here for Brazil, I think bringing more of these producing countries into the British scope as well will be very beneficial for for all of us. And it, it just creates a new perspective in terms of races that get so much more access into uh, production and coffee farms and producing uh, green beans. So I think that that is a really cool thing to see for the near future. Uh, so one question I had uh, asked was, are you, I know we're only like a couple of months out from your win, but are you planning to coach anyone next year or are you generally open I think, to coaching I, I think I, I definitely am. Uh, open to it. Uh, I, I don't think I will be for this year, especially because of the crazy schedule that uh, we have for the coming months in terms of traveling. And, and uh, I think essentially coaching really requires like, full de dedication as well from the coach, not only from the visa, uh, because it, it is how successful teams work. And uh, I think that would be very, very cool to be able to share some of my experience with the baristas who are really chasing the stream of winning world competitions. So obviously you've got like so much on over the next year or so. Uh, are there any particular big things coming up? Yeah, really I'm doing? very excited to be visiting some of these new countries that I've never been into, like uh, uh, Indonesia, uh, Thailand, some of these countries that have new and up and coming especially coffee uh, communities and all this traveling will be really interesting to see all these different cultures and how they approach especially coffee for sure um was there anything else you were hoping to talk about yeah i mean uh, i think one of the biggest questions that we get it's it's about um what was our experience building up into this team and Obviously, it is something that we talk about a lot in, in our routine, but it's also uh, understanding why you need such a big team. Obviously, it doesn't have to be like 10, 15 people, but like, why do you need so many people around you for this competition? And, and I think it's, we approached um, WBC and, and uh, Barista competition as something that has so little margin for errors, right? Uh, there's like, you make one mistake up on stage can really crush down the entire experience for a judge or, or for uh, whoever is evaluating your coffees. So I think the team there is not only there to to bring their expertise in, but also make sure the barista is, is performing into the highest level into the world competition. We, we always compare this into like a Formula One team since everyone really enjoys Formula One now. And and the and the barista being the pilot, he has to be at his utmost highest potential, and really not have to worry about anything else other than performing well up on stage. And this includes like mental game. And I think 
Like for me, something that was life changing during this comp competition uh, experience and journey was uh, I started doing therapy because uh, I wanted to keep my mind and my mental health super strong. And that truly helped me a lot in many different levels, not only doing this kind of therapy thing, but also having teammates that really support you all the way through and there's no egos clashing in the process, which is something that I know that a lot of the teams have issues with. So that was really uh, an amazing thing that, that we were able to experience and I would love to share with everyone. That's great. Like there's definitely so much pressure on you when you enter these competitions and so many things that you've got to remember to do, things to get right and taking care of your mental health is like super important to making sure not only that you feel well for the rest of your life, right? But also like you can only do well exactly. if you feel well. That is true. Well, that's great. Borum, thank you so much for taking the time. To no chat problem. With me today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thanks for listening to Hello Judges. I had a great time chatting with Borum about winning WBC and how he did it and a bit about his journey. My guest next time is World Brewers Cup champion Matt Winton. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. You can email me at hellojudgespodcast at gmail.com and I ask, please do not assess this podcast until after I've called time. Thank you. Time. <laughs>